Well, we've been talking about living an authentic life, a, a real life, what we were created to live. And we've been using this statement by Jesus, which he says this in John chapter 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And, and so Jesus came his, to give us life, to give us an authentic life, the life that we were created to live. Uh, many, many years ago, when I was a freshman in college, and that's a long time ago, um, I, actually, I went to a little school in Kansas called Coffeyville Community College. And Coffeyville's a very small town, but this junior college, their football team was actually one of the best football teams in the nation. And they accidentally, for some reason, gave me a scholarship to go there. And uh, I went there. I get to Coffeyville uh, Community College. And uh, most of the people on the team thought I should be a kicker because I was so small. But I quickly made my place as the fifth string quarterback out of five and uh, worked my way right in there. Uh, the starting quarterback in the team, his name was Corey. And uh, Corey was a story all on his own. His name was Corey Welch, and when he was a senior in high school, he was, he was a, actually an all-American, um, a high school all-American quarterback, and he went to the University of Missouri from high school. He was actually a star in the basketball team, the football team. He was just this amazing athlete, six foot four. He was fast. He could just do anything, and he, he got a scholarship at the University of Missouri, and as a, as a freshman, so just graduated high school, he goes to the University of Missouri, and he gets the starting job at Missouri as a quarterback. About five games into the season, he gets a, an injury, and it ends his season. And uh, unfortunately, at that point, he started to get in some trouble. He quit going to class. He ended up getting kicked off the Missouri football team and kind of disappeared for a while. Well, our coaches at Coffeyville, that was their specialty. They would find these great athletes that had kind of disappeared or been injured or flunked out of school, and they found Corey, and they brought Corey to Coffeyville. So my freshman year, Corey is also the quarterback. Here I am, fifth string, this tall, and then there's Corey, and Corey was amazing. I mean, he was, he, he was as good as any quarterback in the nation. He had the potential to be an NFL quarterback. We were ranked number one in the nation as, as a team. Of course, I never actually dressed for the games, but, but hey, I was on the team, right? And so, so then um, I would, had gone home one weekend, and we won the game that weekend 70 to 7, and a lot of that was Corey. And uh, so we're undefeated. I think we're 3 or 4 and 0, oh, and, and everyone's you know, talking about how great of a team we have. And I come back at the end of the weekend, and I walk into my dorm room. My roommate goes, hey, Walton, you better get ready to dress next week. And I said, well, why? Did Corey get hurt? And he goes, oh, no, 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 he shot somebody. And I went, whoa. And, and so Corey... They win 70 to 7. He's the star of the game. They go to a bar and they get in a fight. Corey goes to his car and he gets a gun. Comes back and he shoots somebody. Didn't kill him, but Corey's gone. I literally never heard of Corey again until about five or six years later. I was graduated college. And, and here I am reading the sports page back at home. And at the end of the very back of the sports page, there's an article. And it's about Corey. And it starts off, Corey Welch was found dead in a Wyandotte parking lot. It was a drug deal that had gone bad. He was 26 years old. <laughs> and you go, 
wow, what a wasted life, right? I mean, this guy had all the potential. I mean, he, he had it all. And you go, and we look at that, and we go, man, obviously, this guy wasted his talent. He wasted his ability. And, and, and this week, as I was thinking about, about Corey, obviously, I'm not Corey. I'm just me, right? Uh, but I'm uniquely me, and I'm, I'm created by God to live this life, just like Corey was created by God to live his life. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, I'm no better than Corey. <laughs> I, I'm just a different story than Corey, right? Do you know how many hours of my life I've wasted? Do you know how many weeks I've wasted? And, and if you start counting up hours and weeks, you can add them up into years of, of time I've wasted in my life not living life the way I was created to live. And, and a lot of that time, you know how I wasted it? Trying to impress people. Or trying to live up to a standard that wasn't God's standard. It was somebody else's standard, somebody else's expectation. And as I was thinking about Corey, I was thinking, I wonder whose expectations he was trying to live up to. Who was he trying to impress? How does a guy with so much talent end up selling drugs in Wyandotte, Kansas and getting shot? (laughs) Who was he trying to impress? Who was he living his life for? I I just think I've spent my life, honestly, trying to impress and trying to live up to other people's standards. I've worked really hard in my life so people would pat me on the back. I've worked really hard to prepare sermons so I could come and I could could give a sermon so people would cheer or go, wow, he's really good. And you know what else I've done? I've spent many hours crying and bemoaning the fact that people didn't cheer for me or, or, or being upset because, man, life didn't, didn't go quite right and I didn't impress the right people or I didn't live up to those people's standards. And then you hear Paul's words. I read them to you a couple weeks ago in Galatians chapter 1. And Paul says this, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Those are some pretty powerful words, right? I'm not trying to please people because that would be wasting time. I am just trying to please God. And the question for us today is who are we trying to impress? Who, whose standards are we living to in our own lives? And Paul also says in Colossians 3, and that's where we're going to look at a, a chunk of, of Colossians chapter 3 today. But in Colossians 3, 23, Paul says, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord, rather than for people. Now, don't misunderstand this. Don't People, we need them, right? We love people. You know, we need relationships with people It's because that's, that's who we are. However, if we want to live real life, live life authentically, we have to quit trying to impress people. <laughs> we need to live life trying to impress God and God alone. See, striving to live up to the standards of God, that will radically change your life. That will radically change our lives. Uh, this week, my mom came in on Wednesday, and uh, so Thursday morning, I took my mom surfing, and uh, I figured, I, I figured, if there's anybody that wants to watch me surf, it's my mom, and so 
we loaded up surfboard, and we went down, and I took her to Terramar, because that's where Sophie, Sophie was meeting us down there, and, and uh, my mom's 81, she's got kind of a bum knee now, and I'd forgot that the stairs of Terramar are really steep going down, and really steep coming up, but she did it, she got down there, and, and uh, so me and my mom are down there, and, and Sophie wanted to take her down to the tide pools, and, and I'm saying, hang on, I'm going to go out surfing, Mom. Okay, so I told her, I'm the one in the black wetsuit. You can't miss me, okay? And so, so I get on my board, and I start paddling out, and my mom and Sophie, they walk down to the tide pools because it's super low tide, but I had to paddle way out there to get to the waves. And I get out there, and I get in this great spot, and I start catching wave after wave. I mean, just beautiful waves. They're even kind of big, and, and I was catching these waves. You know, every wave, I caught it, and I was looking for my mom, every one. I was trying to see if she was watching me, and, and I went out there, and I surfed for a while, and each one, I was hoping my mom would see me catch this beautiful wave, and I paddled in, and, and after surfing, and my mom goes, did you catch any waves? I said, you didn't see me in the black wetsuit out there? All that time, trying so hard to impress her, and, and I, the thing is, is it's a natural thing, right? And, and, and we want people to be impressed with us. But, but here's the thing. I, I could have just surfed, right? I could have just enjoyed surfing instead of going, oh, man, who's watching me? Who's watching me? But, but we tend to live our lives that way. I mean, we, we're a people now that we go on vacation and we'll spend hours trying to get just the right picture of ourselves so we can impress people instead of just enjoying vacation, Right? We spend two hours trying to get a picture, or we could spend two hours just being in that moment of being in, on vacation. We, we, we do things to get people to like us. We do things to, be, to get people in, to be impressed with us, to, or to sometimes to even be jealous of us. And when we're doing that, we miss out on just being alive. Now, but Paul tells us about this new life that we're supposed to be living. When we are led by the Spirit, when, when we believe in Jesus, we have this new life. And so in Colossians 3, 10 11, this is what Paul says. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Uh, this is beautiful, right? Uh, this idea that impressing Christ is all that matters. Uh, living to his expectation is all that matters. And, and I love in here that he puts it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, and he lists all these things. It really don't matter to us. But we could go down the list, right? It really doesn't matter what your job is or what your last name is or what you did yesterday or how much money you have or what kind of house you live in. It doesn't matter. What matters is Christ. <laughs> in, in this new life, and I want us to hear this, you don't, need, you don't need to be like everyone else, and you don't need to be liked by everyone else. <laughs> when I say that, you don't need to be like everyone else. You're uniquely you. You are created to be you and to live the life that God's given you. You don't need to be like everyone else and you don't need to be liked by everyone else because that's impossible. <laughs> Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to be impressed of what you've done. And what we need to remember is that I'm me. 
You are you. God created you and I unique. And, and he created us to live this life that he has given us to the full. And so if we're going to impress God, if we're going to live up to God's standards, what does that look like? What does he expect of us? Well, Paul gives us that in verses 12 through 16. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. It, you can read through this over and over. You're not going to find anything negative in here. And you're not going to find any, hey, you need to be rich or you need to do this. Or you need to do that. These are things that this is just this new, beautiful nature. And I love how he wraps it up and he says, and let the peace of Christ rule your hearts and be thankful. Let peace and thankfulness rule your life. If you have peace with who you are, if you are thankful for the life that you have, man, that will change your life to be at peace with who you are, to be thankful, not trying to impress other people, not trying to live up to others' expectations. I find it interesting in Colossians chapter 3, Paul in verse 18 starts to name off some different people like husbands and wives and fathers and children and then slaves. And, and, and he talks about these different people. If you're going to live this new life, this is how you're going to live life. But, but I find it interesting that at the end he mentions slaves. And he doesn't tell the slaves, hey, you need to get free. You need to, you need to fight for your rights or anything like that. Not saying that they shouldn't, but I'm, he just says this. Work willingly. And he's talking to husbands and fathers and, and wives and children and slaves. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. In the NIV, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. What a, what a picture, right? No matter what you are in life, what you do in life, what your job is, what your family situation is, it doesn't matter, is what he's saying. Work willingly at whatever you do. It's a powerful statement, and, and when you think about your life or your situation in life, some of us, we've chosen it, right? We love it, and it's, it's great, and then there's others that, wow, we hate it, <clears throat> and it makes us angry, and when we get jealous, <clears throat> maybe you're stuck. <laughs> you feel stuck in the life that you have right now, or maybe you're resentful of your lot in life. Whatever it is, you have to go it doesn't matter. We're called to work willingly. The only thing that matters is that you work willingly and that you do it to please God. It doesn't matter the job. It doesn't matter your lot in life. It matters that you work willingly for what? For God, not for people. And if you change that little aspect in your life and you start working for God instead of people, it's going to change your whole attitude about everything that you do. Now, I promise you, and I told the first service, I never in my entire life thought that I would quote a Jimmy Buffett song in a sermon. 
and it's not Margaritaville, but it's a song that probably you've never heard of. It's simply called It's My Job. And I remember my brother loves Jimmy Buffett, and so we, whenever I'm in his house, he always has it playing. And, and there's a song that my dad loved, and this, and this was the song. It's called It's My Job. And, and in this, this song, you just have to listen to these words. Again, I'm not a huge Jimmy Buffett fan, but, but these words are powerful. And, and it's a song about a guy that's a street sweeper. And, and listen to these words that Jimmy Buffett writes. In the middle of late last night, I was sitting on a curb. I didn't know about, uh, I didn't know what about, but I was feeling quite disturbed. A street sweeper came whistling by. He was bouncing every step. It seemed strange how good he felt, so I asked him while he swept. He said, it's my job to be cleaning up this mess, and that's enough reason to go for me. It's my job to be better than the rest, and that makes the day for me. And you just have to picture this, this scene. Jimmy Buffett, this probably famous singer sitting on the street, and here comes a guy. My first picture is the street sweeper guy driving the big truck, but that's not what it is. This is a guy with a broom walking down the street, sweeping up the messes that we've left on the street the day before. I think about, you know, down in the village, it gets all messy, and here at night, some guy comes along, sweeps up. No one's there to watch him. No one's, no one's there to, to cheer him on or to tell him what a good job he's doing. He's just doing it, and he's happy about it. He's whistling. He's doing his job the way he was created to do his job. And, and, and so then I started thinking, you know, I've worked in lots of different jobs, and I've worked with lots of different people. And it's very rare to find a street sweeper like this, right? That's whistling while he's working, that's bouncing with every step. In fact, usually I work, I've worked with lots of people that are angry workers. They're mad at everyone else or, or they're angry about the fact that they're working at that job. And there's complaining workers, the workers that are just complaining about everyone else, complaining about the customers, complaining about the boss, and then there's resentful workers. They're resentful of everyone else has a better position, or they're resentful they're even there, and they're resentful because they feel like they're doing all the work. And then there's, you've probably ran into people like this. When I worked at an oil company back in, in Kansas, I, my job was I sat in the office, and I basically looked at a computer screen all day, and I told all the drivers where to go. And where to take the fuel or the, or, or the gasoline that day. And, and we had a whole bunch of drivers. And, and one of the drivers, when I came there, he was like 68 years old when I got there. And he'd been working for the company basically his whole life. And he was a very gruff guy, but he was, he was a really good guy. And uh, for whatever reason, you know me, I'm a super nice guy, but a lot of the drivers didn't appreciate me sitting in the office, staring at a computer screen, telling them, you know, to go here and go there. They had the, they had the tough job, right? I had the easy job, but not Ed. Every time I would call Ed and say, hey, Ed, this person needs fuel, this person needs fuel, Ed would be like, yeah, I got it. I'm there, and he did. He, he had it done, and now what he had to do, we had people that delivered to gas stations, we had people that delivered to companies, but Ed went to the farmers all over northeast Kansas. And in the farm fields, you drive out, and there's usually like a 300-gallon gas tank high up on some, some stilts, and usually weeds two to three feet high all around it, and it's usually rusty. 
And, and Ed would have to climb up on his big giant tank wagon that held 4,500 gallons of fuel. And then he would grab the hose, shimmy down. Then he would climb up this tank and he would fill up this tank. And that's what he did all day long. He's 68 years old. And, and here's the other thing. If you saw Ed, the first thing you would notice is not his age, but you would notice that he stands like this. This is how he stands. He had one leg that was much shorter than the other one. wasn't always that way. When he was 25 years old, he was actually working for this company. But after work, he was riding his motorcycle home, and someone ran a stop sign and hit him. And it broke his leg. And the ambulance came, all that. They didn't set it right. The doctors didn't do a good job. He had like 20 surgeries on his leg. By this point, at 68 years old, his leg was shaped like a C from the knee all the way to the ankle is just a big bow. And he's climbing up and down these, these big tank wagons. He's climbing up and down all this stuff. And he never complains. He was, it was his job. He just did it. And what I remember most about Ed is we had a, we had a guy that worked in the warehouse. And he kind of worked inside with me. And he complained about everybody. He was angry all the time. And one day, the, 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 the drivers would all gather in this little area and drink coffee before they went out for the day. And I was, I was down there having a cup of coffee with them, and, and here comes this, the little angry man. He comes out, and he's, blah, 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 blah. he's yelling about everything. And Ed just stops, and he looks at him, and he goes, Hey, Mike, shut up <laughs> and do your job. Now, I don't think Paul came right out and said, Shut up and do your job. But really what Ed was telling him is, Listen, we're all here. We all have different jobs. Embrace your job and do it. You don't need to be telling everyone else. You don't need to be angry. Enjoy. And that's, that's really it, right? Embrace your job. Embrace your place in life. This isn't just about a job. It's about life. This is, this is about who we are day in and day out. Are we angry? Are we complaining? Are we resentful? Are we going to embrace the life? that we've been given? Are we going to embrace this life that we've been called to live? Because you don't actually live life until you embrace the life that God has given you. And here's the thing. If, if you're not living a life led by the Spirit, life's not much fun. It's not very joyful. In fact, this is what Paul says that life looks like. He says, you need to put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the, same, but now is the time to get rid of anger, and rage, and malice, and malice behavior, slander, and dirty language don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off the old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. If you just go through this, and you can read it over and over, none of these things help you have a good life. <laughs> We've all experienced them in one way or another. But all they do is steal from life. Remember the thief comes to steal life, right? These things steal life. If you're going to live angry, rage-filled lives, if you're, going to, if you're going to live with the sinful nature, life will not be good. If you want to live real life, what does Paul say? Put to death 
the sinful earthly things lurking within you. He talks about living. We used to live in the world. We used to want the praise of the world. We used to live for the expectations of the world. That's not what we live for anymore. So put to death those things, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature. (laughs) Remember, for all of us that believe in Jesus, we have a new life. We've been given the Spirit of God living inside of us, a new life. When we live in the Spirit, man, life is good. Life is so good. Think about the street sweeper. I've just, you think about this guy. He's out there sweeping the street. We've left the mess, right? He's out there in the middle of the night, not getting any praise, whistling, why is he doing it? Well, it's just what I do. This is what I've been called to do. And I was thinking about that guy and thinking, you know what? If I was the street sweeper, I wouldn't be very happy. I, I would be grumbling. I would be angry. You know what I'd be really angry at is all you people throwing the trash on the street that make me have to sweep it. And, and I, remember, I remember one time, and I can't remember who told me, but someone told me, you know what? If it wasn't for them, you wouldn't have a job. If it wasn't for the people throwing all the trash on the street, the street sweeper wouldn't have a job. What a way to think about it, right? And all of a sudden, you're thankful for these people throwing the trash on the street because now I get to whistle about it and I get to just do my job. And, and it's, a, it's a funny picture, but it's profound. It really is. It's profound. This, as followers of Jesus, is how our lives should look. People like Jimmy Buffett should look at us and go, What's going on here? They shouldn't be that happy. But we are that happy because we're not living for anyone else's expectations except for God's. If you want to live real life, the way we were created to live real life, remember, it's not about you. It's about Christ in you. It's not about the awards. It's not about the achievements. It's not about the cheers or the pats on the back. It's simply about Christ in you. Paul says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him in this new life. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. In other words, it doesn't matter what your name is or what your job is or what you did yesterday or how much money you have. That doesn't matter. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in us all. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Christ in us. I read a book when I was, well, the kids were little. I wasn't little. It was a Christian book. Max Lucado wrote it. And I love reading Christian books written for kids because I can understand them way better than adult books. And, and, and in this particular book, it was, it was about these wooden people. And uh, these wooden people have been made by the master, and they're all placed in this little village, all these wooden people. And, and these wooden people, somewhere along the way, they had discovered that they liked somebody, they had little stickers. They had star stickers. And if someone was really strong or really fast or really smart, these wooden people would run up and put star stickers on them. 
And, and the people that were good at everything, they had all these star stickers. And some of the wooden people would see the people with all the star stickers. And they'd run up and give them a star sticker just because they had so many star stickers. But then there were people that weren't that fast and life hadn't been so good to them. And, and people would see them and they'd give them dots because they weren't very good wooden people. And, and the more dots you got, people would see you and go, well, they got lots of dots. I'm going to give them a dot just because they have lots of dots. And, and that, was, that was the way things happened in this village. And it, the story focused in on one particular little wooden guy that was pretty bad at everything. And he was covered literally from head to toe with dots. And he felt really bad about himself. And he wondered, why did the master even make me? What, what purpose do I have? And one day he's walking along and he sees this little wooden woman. Her name was Lucia. And Lucia had no stars and no dots. And this little wooden man that's covered in head to toe with dots sees her and goes, there's something wrong with her. So he runs up to give her a dot. And the dot falls off. And he goes, well, that's impressive. So he tries to give her a star. And the star falls off. And he goes, what, what is wrong with you? <laughs> You're not like all the other wooden people. What's your, what's your secret? And she said, well, I'm not worried about stars and dots. I don't care if someone gives me stars and dots. And he goes, well, how do you get them not to stick? Now, you shouldn't cry about little wooden people. I'm sorry. But how do they not stick? And she goes, it's simple. Every day, I go to the master. And I simply spend time with the master. And when you spend time with the master, your expectations become the expectations of the master. And not everyone else around you. And you quit worrying about the cheers and the applause. You don't need stars. You don't need dots. <laughs> because it's not about us. It's about Christ in us. I'm going to have Megan sing a song. It's called Something New. And I think the words are so beautiful. And she sings it. Just let her sing it over. You can sing along if you want. But, but just, just let these words soak in. And just be in a place where you can envision how God is going to change your life.
Dear Heavenly Father, let that be our prayer, that we're not going to live this life on our own. Fill us, make us, break us, mold us, do whatever it takes to make us who you created us to be. And we praise you for the life you've given us. We embrace the life that you've given us. We thank you for your love and your grace, and we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.